2: So I pulled the knife out Started telling everyone I was going to kill them Whoever gave me up I'm going to kill you Same stuff And everyone started scattering Long story short I was chasing a few people Through the streets I was fly kicking a few people Never, Not trying to do harm More like a fun thing It is completely normal For everyone there To be a bank robber um, Arm robber Ram raider Heroin addict That was just normal I was sweet My whole, I spent my life in jail I was a somebody in jail What is
0: a way to deal with Drug crime?
2: There's going to be at no point in humanity where there is no violence. And there's going to be no point in humanity where people aren't going to want to use substances to relieve themselves of whatever excuse they have.
0: Let's say I go to jail tomorrow. What happens when you walk in for the first time? The process is very sad and boring and long. How do you expect someone to go into jail for five, six, seven, eight years, ten years, and then walk out and be anything
2: close to normal? I'm cooked. Yeah.
0: I'm so cool. G'day ladies and gentlemen, my name's Isaac Butterfield and welcome to Cancel Me Now. If you're new here, go and press subscribe, I beg of you. On today's episode, we have a bloke who just released a book, The Great Man. A guy who has been involved in some interesting circles over the past Three decades, three and a half decades since he was born. This is a man who has been on the streets. This is a man who has been incarcerated, been in boys' homes, been in uh, juvie, been involved in stabbings. Uh, Is that allegedly? I don't know. Um, I think he has, right, Lordy? Yeah. (laughs) If you haven't, I'm sorry. Uh, we'll, We'll take that out. Oh, stabbed himself. What do you mean? Oh, so according to according to producer Lordy, is that in the book? It's in the book. Okay, uh, he missed one of the stabbings and got himself. Uh, okay, fair enough. Um, anyway, he's found <laughs> he's a rapper as well. He's got a great podcast. I was listening to that to uh, listening to that yesterday, and very interesting to hear someone who you probably wouldn't think would have a long form conversation. Have a long form conversation, and he's a very interesting cat, um, mate. He is doing well for himself. You know, he's getting out there. He's found uh, internet virality on Instagram. Hudusbra, uh, the SA life, uh, the lad life, loves it, uh, breathes it, lives on the streets. And from people I've spoken to, this is a legit human being. You know, he is he is he's a heavy, if you will. Um, I spoke to one of these guys who I, I became friends with at my local gym, and he said uh, this is when Spaniards sort of first came out. Uh, onto the scene, onto the Instagram scene, if you will, Facebook scene. He was a rapper already. And he said, mate, this guy walks down Redfern, which is a is suburb a, um, suburban Sydney, um, known for drugs and violence and that type of stuff, I guess you could say. It's it's a lot more gentrified now. But he said that this bloke walks down there and people call him into the shop and say, come over here, brother. And, and he's, he's taking people into the shops, the mother and pop shops and all that type of stuff and looking after them. An interesting guy. So, he's on his way now. He's almost here. And this is my conversation with Urus lad, Spaniel. Thanks for coming, brother. I appreciate it. Great. Thank you. My my pleasure. Now, we have been talking about just sort of what you've been doing, all that type of stuff. You've been on like a media tour. You've yeah, got the last couple of weeks, eh? Hey, they've been sending me everywhere. Fuck, you look jacked on that photo yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I go a,
2: through my phases.
0: It's a good cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're obviously very into fitness.
2: Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, uh, some months. Yeah, some months I'm not. Hey, How, how are you
0: going <laughs> at the moment? What are you doing?
2: On the moment, at, at the moment, I'm keto. Yeah, I'm trying to get as skinny as I can. Yeah. whilst training to maintain a bit of shape.
0: Okay, so that and, that's exactly how I train. Yep. I've, I've, I have I've go through like a cutting phase with keto yep. and I use that for maybe two, three months, yep, yep, drop yep. down. I recently did it up until uh, probably about a month and a half ago, dropped down to 100 ke- oh, 102 and a half yep. and now I want to just sort of build back up on that, increase my calories to a point yep, where yep. you know I can build a bit of muscle, all that type of shit. Yeah, and man, I find that the best way to control your calories yeah. is by far with keto. Like I, I, when I originally did it, I did it because I have epilepsy, for yep, a form yep. of epilepsy, yep. and I read that okay, and I heard about people they used to treat kids uh, with epilepsy who didn't respond to medication. They used to treat them with the keto diet,
2: and it reduces seizures. Eh? It does, yeah. I yeah. Seen that. yeah. So the whole
0: idea is your body starts running instead uh, instead of glycogen, it runs off ketone bodies. Um, and it was really interesting because I dropped from 134 kilos, like I was big, That's it. dropped down to 94. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was fucking way too skinny. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. But
0: the be- it's just the best way to control calories because you don't eat as much.
2: Yeah, 100. Um, Because the type of food you're eating, it's like um, it's very satiating. Yes. Like you're barely hungry. In fact, you know, when I do keto, sometimes it's, it goes too far. Like you're not hungry enough mm. and you get so skinny. I always say that to my missus, you know, when you see like fat people walking around, I'm thinking, have these people ever heard of keto? Yeah, it, it's, it's like, easy. It, yeah. And you
0: and you get to eat good food, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not like, you know, I can't have that steak because it's a bit, you know, it's this and that. No,
2: you get the the best
0: food. Best food. That's why like if you look at it like straight away,
2: you think, oh, it's so restrictive. But it's all you're leaving out is the jump. Yeah. That's how I say to my missus. It's like, you know, when you know when people are trying to sell your drugs and it's like full of the rubbish. Like yeah, they're yeah, jumping yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's how carbs are. 100%. It's like when you go to a hot food store and it's like um it's just full of
0: bread and yeah. rice. To the them. buns, the chips, the yeah. all that shit. You're leaving that stuff out. Yeah? Yeah. yeah, the good stuff. <laughs> so with um with keto, I found that you know you remove the chips, the buns, all that type of stuff, yeah. and you do reduce your calories. But because, as you said, you're more satiated because you're, you're relying on fat. Yeah, and it is it is the way to go for people. People always say this though. They say it is not a good diet because you can't do it for a long time. Yeah. That's just a you can't. That that's just a lie. Like you can do it. Yeah. It's it's tough. It is, but a lot yeah. of things in life are tough. Yeah. Like, do you want to lose weight or do you want to just just gorge yourself for the rest of your life? Yeah. You yeah. know. So that's the only sort of negative thing that I've heard from people is there's no way you can stick to it. Yeah. But man, I do it on the road. Yeah.
2: The, the I reckon the
0: only way people get that perspective because they're relying
2: on eating out a hundred percent. When you're eating out, it is hard. Definitely. When you're eating out, it's like all you can really get nearly all those famous places, you can't eat at them Yes, pretty much. Um, it, all you can really rely on is you go to a pub and you get the steak and veggies. Mm. Or you go to Indian and you ask for the curry without the rice. Yeah. So it's just the meat and the sauce, which yeah. is grouse. Yeah, I actually do that. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, like a lot of people say that they end up hating it because they go somewhere and it's like everyone's munching now and they can't eat nothing, mm. you know. But if you if you understand what you're doing
0: and prepare for it, you're eating the best food.
2: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah. Absolutely. I, I tried a carnivore diet. Have you yep, ever tried that? I have for Pet. three weeks. Yeah. Bruh, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you
2: what, like I felt that's something I can't stick to. All right. That's it's that's tough. that's too far for me, but I felt hectic. I did. I felt hectic on it. Um, but just I just couldn't cop it. Mm. I just couldn't cop only eating eggs and meat, but I felt grouse. Um and I actually one day I swear I had a respectful conversation with a vegan at the front of Town Hall in Sydney. They put up their signs and their horrific videos, you know, those, yeah. And I went up there and I I was talking to the bloke and it was the first time like like a vegan, you know how you see them and they argue with everyone and they got the facts. And I told him like respectfully and intelligently, I said straight, I said, bro, look, I've done a a carnivore diet. If you're telling me we're not supposed to eat meat, I've done a carnivore diet and I do diets all the time and I've had – a lot of spare time on my hands <laughs> in my life. And um, so I've gone through every type of diet and I've never felt as good as a carnival diet. As and I even said to him, as hard as as bad as that is to say, you know, because like I understand that the place where humans are at that if we were just to rely on animals and keep killing animals, I understand that. And we just got animals in farms. And I don't think that's a good thing. And there's a lot of torture and all that stuff. And and yeah, I don't agree with it, but unfortunately i think the problem is that there's just too many humans that makes yes. eating meat unsustainable it's not the fact that we're eating meat and they see it the other way they see it as like no it doesn't matter how many humans they are we we'll just eat vegetables and everything will be fine mm. yeah and, it, and when i explained it to him i said bro i feel so good i felt better than keto i felt better than this i felt better than that and he was just like oh Can I say? I
0: I was on it for a week and the thought of a steak after a week just made me ill. I was just like, I can't do it again. And that's what they say with that. It's like, hey, if you're really hungry on carnivore, you know, you got to go, you got to get a steak, you got to salt it up. But people like Jordan Peterson, I know his daughter, uh, I know Joe Rogan did it for a couple of months. Like they swear by it. Oh, do they? And in the week that I did it, I have like issues with anxiety uh, problems and that type of shit. Same. And- I had no anxiety that day. That 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 week, rather, legit. It was weird. Yeah. It was like like everything was calm, and I I don't know if it was just sort of one of these sort of situations where you know you try something and you feel okay and you're like well it has to be that yeah yeah, it yeah. may have been it could have been coincidental but um, it could yeah, have been yeah it could have been but people swear by it and people like Jordan Peterson's daughter Michaela she had um, juvenile uh, rheumatoid arthritis mm-hmm. and. She was a kid, and she was having like ankle replacements, knee replacements, and she from that point, you know, serious pain, yeah. and on all the opioid drugs, yep. basically on heroin at yeah, this yeah, point, yeah, like yeah. you know, heroin given to you by yeah, a pharmacist. Sure, and she switched to uh, switched to diet up, cut out all this shit, and has no pain at the moment. That's it for the last ten years or whatever it's been. Yeah, yeah. So, I know a lot of people just like they don't want to talk about diet having an impact on health, yep. but man, it does. Sure. And, and you were talking about, you know, larger, fatter people. We talk about the coronavirus and we talk about vaccines and man, there's so many people, like the deaths from vaccine, death from coronavirus, elderly or obese, and no one talks about people being obese and yeah. that being an issue when it comes to things like the coronavirus, the flu, That's all that shit. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Man, I, I don't know what the numbers are. Yeah, I, I've talked about them in videos. I don't know them off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but- the amount of people that have died from the rona, take out yep. old people. Yep. Take out people who are, you know, really sick with horrible things like cancer and stuff. Mm-hmm. The vast majority, yep. obese. Dead sir. Yeah. And no one talks about it. Everyone's yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah. no, you got to get a jab. Yeah, you got to yeah. get this. You can't go to the gym. Yeah, you yeah. can't go to the park. And I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I understand. We don't want to spread things. Whatever. But no one talks about that because yeah, well, they don't
2: want to offend people. Yeah. And, uh, of course, it wouldn't fit in with... What they're trying to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's no no distractions. There's no, no. place for distractions. No, yeah, man.
0: I was listening to the Northern Territory um chief minister. I guess that's a premier. I don't know. Mm. And he was he was going, anyone who questions anything about about anything to do with vaccines is an anti vaxxer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, listen, man, I understand that vaccines can be very good and they've done amazing things. Mm-hmm. And I've got the vaccine, yada yada yada. Yeah, yeah. you should be Regardless of how good something is, you yeah. should be allowed to question it.
2: You know what? It's I was just, I swear, <coughs> I was just thinking this last night um, because of one of my friends put up a funny post about one of his friends being anti-vaxxer or whatever. It's like, what? what is the what, what is the extent to someone refers to you as an anti-vaxxer? Like, so I got vaccinated when I was a kid. Yeah, not by my choice, but I'm vaccinated. And I've had flu shots. So that's a vaccine, isn't it? All right, I've had flu shots. But then it comes to the point where they're telling us, like, they're just scaring us with stuff and Mm. saying, you have to, they're just threatening us. They're just bossing us around. So, does refusing to do something because you don't want to be bossed around or because you're not scared of what they tell you to be scared of, are you now anti vaxxer? Yeah. And
0: that's, but that's what this dude in the Northern Territory is saying. saying. Any questions? You're an anti vaxxer.
2: Yeah. Even if you've had previous vaccines for Mm. other things. I've had Hep V vaccine, I've Mm. had Hep C vaccine. What if I don't want this one? I'm an anti-vaxer
0: now because mm. yeah, you, well, you have
2: to play ball. And then when the next thing comes, yeah.
0: <laughs> so the, and this is the problem. And, and, and don't get me wrong; people yeah. are going to look at this podcast and go, "What the fuck is Spanion and this Butterfield bloke talking about vaccine?" Yep, yep. They, they don't know what they're talking about. But I know what you know, and you know what freedom looks like. Yeah. And freedom includes being able to question things. And you, and I, I genuinely believe the most insane human being who thinks that they're putting microchips and all this shit, mm-hmm. they should be allowed to say that for sure. And just exactly the same as the most lover of vaccines and fill me up, you know, yep. fill me to the brim. Yep. They should be allowed to say that. For and, sure they should. and you as an intelligent person, I as an intelligent human being slightly, we should be able to look at it and go I agree, I disagree and make up our fucking minds. For and that's sure. that's the problem with it. If this was a more deadly illness, then okay then we have some issues. If this yeah. is smallpox, yep. if this is the black death, you know, and it's killing 75% of the people around you, then, yep. yeah, okay. If people are saying, no, I don't want to get that, then that's an issue.
2: Yeah, But, like, but it's legit, not. if I'm scared of something, I'll get it. Yeah. yeah. Like, if I'm scared, I'll get it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, if I come out one day and I see one person, just one person, I walk in the show, I say one sick person or one person die, like the zombie apocalypse that we're – been made to believe it is mm. i just want to see one fit i'll get it i don't care you know what i mean but like at the end of the day like we have a choice and don't forget like those people you said those crazy people who might say it's a microchip or blah 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 whatever it's probably the same people 10 years ago that were laughing at for saying there's ufos yeah when all of a sudden it's just like and that's oh look a- he's the government are like he's ufos and let's just not talk about it but they he's the photos and yeah and then we just all swept it under the rug that we laughed at these people for 40 years yeah because i believe in it. And the thing with conspiracies
0: is, and this is what people never talk about, is sometimes they're right. Yep. Not all the time. Yep. Like lizard people. Uh, yeah, 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 Not so much. <laughs> and that's like people like David Icke, you know David Icke? I heard of him. So he's the whole, um, he's got a lot of things right, such much like Alex Jones. Yeah, yeah. A lot of things right, yep. but he comes out with crazy shit, yep. like lizard people, like the Queen's a lizard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then people are like, oh, okay. So discredits everything. Yeah. yeah but yeah. he's been right about like, things. Yeah, yeah. And it's exactly the same with the UFOs. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, people were like, you're fucking insane. Oh, for sure. But now it's like the Pentagon's releasing shit. But look, they're showing us like it's those same people that don't believe
2: anything unless the government says it, you know, them people, which is the majority of people. So the the government are now telling us like, oh, look, here it is. We don't know what it is. And it's like, but
0: people just choose, you know you know how it is. People just choose to um, pick the parts that go in with their beliefs already. Yeah. Because yeah. it's the path. It's, it's the easiest path. It is, yeah. And they listen to the news. And I I've, I've made a you know a, a decision to listen to the news as like a as an observer. And I listen to what they say because I, you know, I follow the news throughout the day and I follow it on Twitter and I follow it on the news sites and through, you know, not just Google, but DuckDuckGo, these places yep. that don't sort of have uh, outside yeah. interests. Yep, yep. And then you listen to it on the news and you're like, Well, that's not completely true and then you like a current affair comes on you're like that's in and then you then you hear someone parrot it the next day they say exactly what they said and you're like well you're just getting your news from whoever is whoever owns the news network yeah and for for places like australia who have most of the news owned by rupert murdoch Mm You're just getting what he – well, not like, not like he just says, well, you we have to say this tonight. Obviously, he's not saying that. But what is in his best interests? Yeah. People like – For sure. Anthony Albanese, the leader of the opposition. The reason people don't know who he is, no one fucking knows. The reason yeah. they don't know is because no one talks about him in the media because they just want to pretend he doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's right. Man, it's tough. And
2: I'll, you know, tell you, I'll tell you, it's a little bit off topic, but my first experience with the media that like made my eyes open to how much they lie was – Something happened when I was a kid. Done this school siege, this and that. Got arrested for it, whatever. But like, what happened was I'd done this thing. I got and I got end up getting apprehended by council workers, bashed me and apprehended me. By six o'clock that night, I was on national news, yeah. and they had changed the story. I don't know why, because the story was good enough as it was. But they had changed the story to a student with a knife was apprehended and chased away by teachers wielding baseball bats. Right. Like, that's something so insignificant as my bodgy, meaningless story on the news. They felt the need to just craft a Jizz it comp- up. Just why? Yeah. It's good enough as it was. I had a knife. Council workers come later and bashed me. But they made it out. And I just, when I looked at that and I thought something so simple and meaningless mm. and they're going to just comp- lie about the whole thing. Mm. Imagine something important, like you're saying, with interest. Like
0: yeah. yeah. And it's not until it affects you or, you know, directly, indirectly, that you understand that the news is full of shit and the media is full of shit. Like when I've been in trouble for jokes and stuff like that, man, they go out and they say, this racist, this this Islamophobe. This. Yep. And it's just like, no, no, no. This yep. comedian who's saying like shit to make people laugh yep. is saying dumb shit to make people laugh. Yeah, yeah. None of these things are true. Well, that's not a story for him. No, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, and you learn that. And my old man was involved in um, – in the he built the rugby league players association so it looked after all the players it was like a union and because the news limited had a controlling um por- control of the media basically the same companies had the control of the media they would bash him every day in the papers Legit. every day yeah. <laughs> and so people would form their opinion from that and they and the, and the and the news and news limited and those type of people they knew that yeah. and that's why they do it mm. they control politics they control public opinion mm. and that's why a lot of people are just fucked. They got no idea what they're talking For about sure. because you know. Also, people are you know they're, they're digging holes all day. Yeah, they're fucking working on an office they hate. They got a, a you yeah. know she's working as a receptionist. I was actually, just thinking that it's so like uh
2: maybe they're not. It's not like they're to blame. You know what I mean? No, they're getting on fault. with their life. They're getting fed this thing.
0: Why not believe it? Who has time to question? Things? That's right. <laughs> like that, and that is a genuine problem. I yeah. think podcasts help. Because you get to have this long form conversation with someone like you, someone who is a molecular biologist or someone who is a political scientist. Yep. And you can listen to all those and pick what you want to listen to and you find out the real story. What's actually happened. Mm-hmm. And like people like um Kyle Rittenhouse in America, the dude who shot those kids. Well yep. not just kids, but they were, you know, yep. adults. One turned out to be a pedophile, yep. like like convicted pedophile, child rapist. Another one was had a massive rap sheet, all this type of stuff. Is, is that sorry? Is that the lad that was getting
2: chased? It, yeah, he turned around. The AR fifteen yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, thing, yeah, and he just that, yeah. was acquitted. Yeah, oh, um, was he? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, in America, and people were blowing up. So that originally, that story was he was at a Black Lives Matter rally, and yeah. everyone just assumed that he killed black people, but it was three white people, and one of the white. Why dude, did they assume that? Because well, it was the Black Lives Matter <laughs> thing, yeah, yeah. and no one, and basically everyone was just like, "He's killed three Black Lives Matter oh, protests," yeah. and they ran with that story. Oh, that's it. Uh- now I don't know if they said they were they are African American people. Yep. In in the news articles, but. Everyone assumed that that's what it was, and no one corrected. It. Yeah. So everyone hated this kid. Yeah, straight yeah. up hated him. They said he was a Republican, so so obviously the left hated him. Yep. They said he was a gun gun rights activist, so everyone hated him. They said he crossed county lines to get state lines or whatever. Um, when in reality, he just lived over the border, right, yeah. Lordy? No, yeah, doesn't matter. So he just he lived just over the. It's like you know you living down the road and the border's in the middle, and I come over yeah. and help you out, mm. like that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the dudes was attacking him with a fucking skateboard, hit him on the head, even though he had an AR-15. The other dude had a gun pointed at him. I've seen that. Like, I'm not in depth with the story, but, like, from the video that
2: I've seen and normal observation, he's getting chased by a bunch of people. Some of them got guns. Even if they don't, they're trying to do him harm. That's clear. It's not an argument. You can see it happening. Self-defense. And he has a gun. If he can't shoot those people, then what's a gun for? Yeah. What's the the point of it? Is it just, the it, it, gun's just for scare tactic and if you don't scare him or you just got to let him kill you. Yeah. The gun scare tactic didn't work. So I don't know. I don't know. He was, it's different bro. like if he's getting chased, if he's chasing people, automatically in my head he's guilty. If you're chasing sure. someone, you shoot them. If you're getting chased and lads are attacking you and you shoot them, and why, why sell guns if you can't do that? It's yeah. not well, like he shot point? him in the back. These yeah. people that's were coming right. at him, you
0: know, <laughs> on him, on him.
2: He shot him off him. Yeah, you, yeah. Watch, you watch the
0: video. They're, he's on. He's on his back. That's right. And anyone
2: who can see that video and can't see that, like I said, I'm. I don't care. I. I don't really care about any of, of those stories. Like in, in, what they do in America, they're cracked. But just from basic, if
0: you can't see that, then it's just that's bias. Mm. Yeah, it is. And and politics is their religion now. Yeah, you know they've stepped away from Christianity. From any type of religion, you know, obviously there still is quite. It's quite a religious country, yeah, yeah. but they, they, their politics are—they're just balls deep. Yeah, yeah they just yeah. like if you're left, you're, you know, you're with me. It's like and, gangs now, eh? Yeah. it's like street gangs. Yeah, like the commoner is part of a gang. It's it, <laughs> and it's like you will fight to the death yeah. for your gang. That's cracked. It's you know, and and part of the gang is sort of like you know the initiation process for the for the left side of politics is you change your pronouns on Instagram and all that yeah, type yeah, shit. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. how you do it. Um, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, it's I, I just can we go back to the, the school? Yeah, what happened there? Can you take us through where you were in your life and what happened at that school? Ah, so the point in my life I was. I don't know, 14, 15 years old, and I just got kicked out of Glebe
2: High, which is a school where I grew up in, in the city. So I'd gone to this the last school that would accept me because I was too young to be completely kicked out of school. There's some law under yeah, 15, yeah. under 16, whatever. They sent me over to this nice area to go to the school. I was continuing my scallywag behaviour, s- stealing. Um, some I got dobbed in. I don't know by who. I got dobbed in by someone for stealing a phone or a disman or something that you're stealing back in 2001. And – um. Yeah, I thought I'm going to make a statement, right? My intention was just to go back to the school. The next day I was suspended. I was suspended um, after a tussle with the the teachers. So I wanted to go back to the school with a knife and uh, find out who done it and just in front of all the kids, hold it to him, put it to his, whatever he, whatever I'd planned on doing, something scary to, um, so no one dobbed on me in the future. I went back there with the knife, went to the class. So I had no idea who this kid was, right, but I'm going to find him. Went back to the classroom, uh, pulled the knife out. Everyone's like, nah, I was, I was saying the usual st- – can I swear? Of course. Yeah, All right. fuck saying, that. who the fuck gave me up for stealing the phone, blah, 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 kill you, you know what I mean? No one – you know what I mean? No, obviously no one Now uh, put their hand up for it. So I ended up going classroom to classroom till I found this kid. Um, no one put their hand up for it, obviously. There was one lad, right? I had – um wasn't a mate, but it was in the same class. So we got along, and um, he taken it like a joke. All right oh, so right. yeah, because I was just I was a bit of a cracked kid, so I'd always do crazy shit yeah. and he'd just taken this as a funny thing. Um, and he in front of an, the fourth or fifth classroom I'd gone in and he, he'd taken upon himself to um, go jo- like joke around, yeah, I'd done it, you know what I mean, but I'm in a position now where I've made like a lot of fuss. so if he can say that and I don't do anything, then the whole thing just crumbles and I look like a dickhead. You know what I mean? So even though he was a mate, I'd gone to him, grabbed him. Anyway, put the knife to his neck. Teachers are hustling, bustling. I kicked a few teachers. And then I'd heard on the radio that they'd evacuate in a school, like some type of terrorist thing. Obviously, when I'm a kid, I'm thinking this is a joke. And obviously, from the way I grew up, and that that was nothing to just be putting nice to people and this and that. But you can understand to normal people, this is a big thing. 100%. So so. I heard on the on the speaker the principal evacuating the school, so I seen in the corridors everyone's like running. You know what I mean? So I thought I'll join it, come out the come out the class, and um, put, I put my knife away. I plan to end it there, right? I plan to end the the, the whatever it was there, um, and I just started like evacuating. I was just going to go line up in the assembly and pretend nothing happened. Um, in my young mind, you know what I mean? So I'd come down, down the stairs and the whole school was in that assembly area. I was in year eight, I think. And it was like from year seven to year 12, the entire school. And um, they were all down there. I was walking down the stairs and the principal called me out, you know, like I'm the attacker. And he looked at me and he goes, stop it. Just go away. Put the knife down, you know, and he made the whole school look at me. So in that moment, the whole school's looking at me and I just thought, I'm going to go on with this. It's another one of those things. Well, I can't stop here. You know what I mean? So I never planned this stuff. I just, you know, it'd come about. So I pulled the knife out, started telling everyone I was going to kill them. Whoever gave me up, I'm going to kill you. Same stuff. And everyone started scattering. Long story short, I was chasing a few people through the streets. I was fly kicking a few people. never Not trying to do harm. More like a fun thing. Um, Went a few streets. I went on for about 20 minutes. Went a few streets. One of the teachers had found some adult council workers, you know what I mean? So I seen up the street, adults running towards me. I'm a 14-year-old kid. It doesn't matter how big my knife is or how big my sword is. You're not bashing adults, you know what I mean? Okay. So I seen four adults walking towards me or running towards me with shovels. So I like threw my knife and pretend nothing happened. And I spent walking like, try to throw off like, oh, I think he's up there. But I have been pointed out. So they bashed me, held me down to the coppers calm. The news showed up first, funnily enough. Yeah, this was my first time ever arrested. So a young kid. And I was on the floor, you know, after a couple shovels to the head, and I just seen like channel nine rock up, channel seven rock up, no coppers yet. And I was just like, what? I didn't see it as being such a big thing. End up being a big thing. First time
0: arrested, yeah. First time in boys homes. How do you how do you look back on that now? Is it something that scares you, embarrasses you? What do you what do you feel about it? Um I I
2: bad as this to say. I just see that because I didn't hurt anyone I heard of some people's feelings there's some teachers that put in for PTSD and this and that naturally um I see it as a funny thing you know I just see it as a funny thing it's different if I went around legit stabbing innocent people you know know what I mean yeah and so yeah I just like (laughs) it's funny because in during my last pre-sentence report the last ever time I was in jail I had this special team a psychiatrist coming out to um do the pre-sentence report and um it was actually that same response that got me diagnosed or along the ways to get me diagnosed as a psychopath. Um, because I had said to them, I feel that this is a funny thing. And they're looking at me like, how can you find something so horrific, so funny? And I'm like, but relax, I'm just a kid running around. Like it was fun. I talked to people that were there. They remember it as a funny day. Really? Yeah. Like they, re- they know it's just, I don't know. <laughs> I know a lot of people listening will think like, that's crazy. It's, Disgusting that you could say that's funny, but I don't know. I remember there's a funny
0: date. There's probably a few teachers that don't. Well, I guess it comes down to your intention too. Yeah. If you'd never intended to stab anyone, then yeah, yeah. it's a different thing, as you said, like turning up and actually wanting to cause real harm to people. Yep. Like you just wanted to scare people, right? Yeah, you yeah. wanted to prove to yourself or prove to other people that you don't fuck with me sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Maybe this is where, you know, you get to situations where in America,
2: mm-hmm.
0: like everyone's got a gun. Yeah. Do you think if you were in America, you would have gone with a gun? Potentially. Probably. Yeah. Well, everyone's got it. Probably.
2: It's in everyone's fucking cupboard. <laughs> you wouldn't do well with a knife there. I'd probably get nah. shot. Yeah. yeah. So I'd probably have to go for a gun.
0: And maybe that's yeah. what happens in these in these high schools. Like yeah. People are like, you know, I want to prove to these people who are yeah. bullying me, picking on me, whatever, that you don't fuck with me anymore. Probably. And they, they turn up. And I've spoken to people who have been like really badly bullied at school. Yeah. And they said if I had a gun, I probably would have ended up like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because
0: you're a kid, you don't know shit. Yeah, you know, 100%. You might think you're a tough or whatever, you turn up. And you do. You might do something dumb, particularly yeah. if you've got a gun in your yeah, for hands. Sure. Yeah, I mean that's that's
2: scary. Yeah. But I guess yeah, like you said, the intentions it does it means a lot. Intention you know I mean? is everything. Like yeah. when I was chasing, when I was chasing, catching up to the lads I was in the class with, like I could have why everyone was running. I would have stabbed hundred people. I was kicking them in the back and swearing at them. Like they were next to me. I was like pushing people and that. Like
0: yeah, yeah. I, but but I think most schools have less in the last 10, 10 years or so. Or maybe when everyone's at school, they have a situation where someone comes with a knife or mm. someone's doing something dodgy or whatever. Definitely. And, and, you know, most majority, vast majority, probably every time that I can think of in Australia, nothing's happened. Yep. People are just, you know, there's kids that are, for whatever reason, you know, maybe they've had a tough upbringing, maybe they're really angry or really sad, yeah. you know, they they go out and they want to hurt people. Maybe they don't want to hurt people, they just want people to feel how they feel. Yeah. Um, it's It's interesting to look at from an outside point of view, what brings a kid how old were you when this happened I think I was 14
2: 2001 so what happens. Might have in, been 15
0: what happens in someone's life to lead them to a point where they feel it's it's a normal thing or a funny thing to take a, a knife to school yeah I guess a lot of things have to be normalized in their life definitely you know we all start off as babies mm. and then the way we're molded yeah uh, dictates the people we become and it takes a strong person to break that mm. you know mm-hmm. and that's why I'm I really wanted to have you on and I wanted to say like what this dude's doing right now? He's got a book out. People love him. Like you're not doing this fucking horrible shit. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. you're not scaring people you're, as much. Yeah, perhaps no. <laughs> maybe maybe your lyrics. I don't know. Maybe yeah, there's yeah, some yeah, rap yeah. battles or stuff. But I, I think that's a really important thing. Like you have the the strength within your own mind to break that mold. Yeah. Was there any points in your life, and you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but in your youth, where you think that really molded you to be a person who could do those things or would, would end up in jail? Definitely. In During my upbringing, I
2: grew up, um, my parents were what you would call street people. And by that, I don't mean homeless. I mean criminals of, that hang around the streets. Scallywags, what pe- everyone, you know what I mean? That, that were my parents, um, my two idols in my life, my father, who was gone my whole life. The only thing that I knew of him before the age of 10 was ev- anyone who, who was older than me would always come up to me and go like, your dad, he's the best getaway driver. He never got caught like they just painted him to be some crazy getaway driver. So that's all I knew of my dad. Steals cars and he's a mad getaway driver, the best in Sydney, whatever they reckon. And um, then who? the only other man I had in my life was my mum's younger brother who was, like my older brother, six, seven-year difference. We shared bunk beds together. He was my older brother. Um, And we were both in the care of my mum. He was... uh, semi-famous thief slash heroin addict through the 90s uh, that was straight in front of me. I shared a room with him. I knew I'd drive in stolen cars with him. I'd watch him do his crimes. I'd watch him inject. And these were the only two men that I knew. Um, this was around the Marigville area, uh, which is not a fully criminal area in Sydney. And that was the first 10 years of my life. And then maybe at the age of 12, I you combine that upbringing with me moving to what at the time was had to be the worst part of Sydney to the Redfern Glebe area um, where it is completely normal for everyone there to be a bank robber, um, arm robber, ram raider, heroin addict. That was just normal. It's like in maybe a different area, it's normal to play footy and smoke cigarettes and drink at the pub. This was what you do in Redfern. So you combine those two. Plus I always had this uh, weird, I don't know, (laughs) I was never a normal kid. Um, I was always the type of kid that was like burning things down and playing with knives and stuff. And um, you combine all of that and I just got chucked into the playground of Redfern, Waterloo, Glebe, and I went hard. And so by the time I was 12, 13, it was completely normal to steal things or to stab people. And like I'd stabbed my friend in the playground in primary school um, just to show off for girls. So it was nothing. This was when I was like 10, Hmm. Um, so it was nothing for me four years later to scare some people with a knife. I'd already stabbed people, so going to a school just to scare people and have a laugh was nothing. So he goes, "What's
0: normalised to you?" And what else does does one expect when someone is surrounded constantly by that? You you know you 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 are moulded by your parents and by the people around you and anyone playing a figure as a a father figure or anyone like that. You know you're moulded by that, yeah. and that's the person you become. and good, bad, indifferent, this is how you're going to follow. And as I said before, unless you break that yeah. at some point, unless you have some introspection where you break that yep. and, and if you, you're smart enough and you're brave enough to break it. But I you know, I look at where I'm from and my old man, um, you know, businessman, all that type of stuff, mum stayed at home to look after the kids. I have an autistic, autistic brother, so she's a, he's a full-time carer. Yep, yep. Always there, always looking after us. And we're so lucky to have that. For and sure. there's people at the very same time that I'm living under a roof where I get meals and you know my bed made for me and all that type of shit, who are doing it tough. I remember I went out to um, to I think it was Waterloo Station, main, maybe Wollumaloo Station, yep. uh, with um Brad Fitler who um is the New South Wales coach. Yep, I was involved uh, in the city country. Um, I was a, like the comedian mean, yeah. on on their bus because oh, my, yep. my old man was the defensive coach and I was uh, the comedian on the bus. Mm-hmm. Fucking worst gig I've ever had in my life. It was <laughs> ended up, they ended up chanting, "Get your cock out," and I was like, "Okay, I'm no, getting no, no laughs, way. so let's do it." So no I, way, you, you just got to do it. Like the footy players were chanting. All the boys that? are just they're like, sus. That's I know, sus. I know. It's it's, it's but it's <laughs> what, what it's what you do. What else do you do if you have got a whole whole thing of blokes just <laughs> oh, going? No, it's
2: not your fault, but the fact they're chanting that, the fact that I had to drive, on?
0: I had to drive two hours yeah. to get on this bus, yeah. And I thought I was just going to do a show at a pub. And they give me the microphone, like this little square microphone on a bus yeah, yeah, yeah. that's got the cord this long, yeah. and then I'm bombing hard. Yeah. And they just go, get your cock out, get your cock out. And I was like, fuck it, let's go. I need at least half a laugh, <laughs> so this will do. Yeah. Um, but I did that, and we went out before my cock was out. We went out to uh, Woolloomooloo Station, mm-hmm. and uh, they were involved in uh, helping out the homeless people there. Yeah, yeah or, it would have been Woolloomooloo then. Yeah, yep. and that's right near the cop shop, right? Yeah. Um, it's that's actually built into the. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Matthew Talbot Hostel. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so we went in there and so we're starting to cook the Barbie and there's all, you know, some some people on the who are on the streets, they're there. And all of a sudden, like families just start coming out mm. with kids and they've all got, you know, it's winterish. Yeah. They've got blankets on, mm. you know, six years old, four years old, little girls, little boys, yeah. walking the streets uh with their families, and they've got nothing. Yeah. So they've got nothing. They might get some Centrelink or whatever, but that does not. That's going to get him not going to get him to the house, into a house. the commission, you know, the wait lists are massive. These people living on the street. Whether or not it's a mental health issue, a drug issue, I think they're one of the same a lot of the time. Yep. People hiding from things like anxiety and stuff like that. Like, yep. you know, I, I don't know. I've, I've never taken heroin or anything like that, but I imagine the withdrawals really enhance anxiety and you just need to fucking, you need yeah. to have a hit. Yeah, it's, 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 and that's what yeah. gets people stuck. Yep. And all these people who are living such a different life to me, they're walking out, we are given out snags and all the footy players are giving out their gear and all that type, all that nice stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's the, that's what they see on the, on the telly before they're chanting it. Yep. 19 year old me <laughs> to get my cock out. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's such a, foreign thing for most people to see and most people listening to this have never seen anything like that never seen a young person on the i know when when we were in melbourne earlier this year uh, my partner claire she sat down with this um this lady who was living on the streets and you know she instead of just giving her some money or whatever she went and bought her some lunch and they sat down and had a chat and she got some like uh um things for a dog the um the parasite tablets and stuff for the dog and all that type of stuff and had a chat to her and Man, people are in a tough place, mm-hmm. and, and and how else do people grow up when they're in that situation? Yeah, yeah. Of course, they're going to be, they're going to see violence all the time. Yeah. So violence is normal. Yeah. For me, if a kid went to my school with a knife, like holy shit, that's the craziest thing ever. Mm-hmm. For other people, that's it's a normal, maybe not a normal day, but that's like a normal reaction yeah, when yeah. someone's angry. For sure. They grab a knife. Yeah, like I said, like
2: just a funny thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're just trying to fuck with people. Yeah, really. And it, yeah, yeah. it's. And I think for a lot of people listening to that story, they might be like, well, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it depends where you live. A hundred percent. Depends where you come
2: from. A hundred percent.
0: And I when I first heard about you and I first started seeing Instagram's uh Instagram stories and and videos and hoodoos and all this type of stuff, when you really started to gain some traction, I ran into a mate of mine who has a uh has a business where he helps um young Aboriginal kids get uh, uh trades and stuff like that and get jobs. And I and we are talking, we we're talking about you. And I said, so he spent a bit of time in Redfern with his job. Mm-hmm. And he said, so what's – I said, what's this bloke like? And he goes, mate, this is the type of guy who will walk down the street and go over to some blokes or some businessmen and say, come on, into this cafe. Come on, into the cafe. you got to get this. you got to get that. Helping out the mum and pop stores. Mm-hmm. Like it seems like you're a type of person that actually tries to help your area rather than hinder it.
2: I, I try to I, – I definitely don't try to hinder my area. Yeah, I, I do try and um, – the biggest way I try and help, you know, and it and it comes out on it comes out on Instagram, so it gets projected to the whole country. But I'm I'm directly talking to the kids in my area. In um, it's a mixture between documenting what I've done and what happened, and um, in any way I try, I tell the truth, and it makes a lot of people hate me. It makes a lot of people hate me, um, but I think the biggest help, the biggest thing that I can do, I, I worry about kids like legit. The biggest thing that I can do is speak the truth from someone from my experience. There's no one on on these social media platforms that, one, have the life and been through everything that I've been through, and two, can articulate it and are engaging. Um, And it makes a lot of people hate me because I talk down. I don't talk positively about – if you ask me about specific crimes that I've done, I think they're hilarious in hindsight, right? I'm not going to sit here and cry. That's where a lot of people hate me. I talk about things in a factual way. I don't tell people to do things, right? I talk about the things that I've done in a factual way and I'm not sorry. I've spent my life as in punished looking at wars and I got what I needed to get. So I don't owe anyone anything. I don't need no apology. So I just tell it straight. That's where the confusion is. So people see me as like someone who loves crime. But if you listen deeply to my videos, like I'll put videos out all the time. Like the other day I put out a video about like, trying to appreciate the little things in life. And there'll be so many people who will comment under it and say, you know what, I hated you up until now, but this video really makes sense. And, and I'm thinking, my, I've been making videos like that for two years. You just choose to see what you want to see. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so what I do is, I a lot of you know what, a lot of the people in my own area hate me. A lot of the people in Wollumaloo hate me. A lot of the boys in jail hate me. A lot of people in gangs hate me because I tell the truth. Like, I say that's gronk shit. It's full gronk shit. You know what I mean? And they don't they don't like that. They don't like that someone come from that life, that someone come out, out, out like lived the life in jail and lived the life on the streets and was like, whatever you want to call me, someone who was a known criminal in jail or something. You yeah, know, whatever. And that says the truth about it. It's putrid. That's gronk shit. Mm. And everyone involved in it are gronks. Mm. And I say that. And you know what? And it puts me at risk because the people that then I'm talking about, you know what I mean? Like, it's, re- it's very realistic now that, I was sweet. My whole—I spent my life in jail. I was a somebody in jail. I was um, towards the later years of my life, most pods that I was in, I was not that I ever get involved in gangs or trying to do business, but I was the man in the pod. I'll punch in, all right. That was in my later years. Now, if I go back to jail, it's very realistic that the lads in there will hate my guts. Yeah. I just—if you look at my videos, it's just—but that's putrid. They're gronks. You know what I mean? Like that life is gronk shit, and yeah, and. I think I'm the most powerful voice to do that for kids and um, I don't think there's any more powerful thing that I can do. Like, yeah, I can go I can go to pick up a few kids and I can take them to train and take them th- to footy or I can address the entire country who look up to people like me and tell them the truth about the life and not glamorize it. You know what I mean? And that far exceeds anything that I could physically do. You're right. When I see kids, I stop to talk and I always make uh, – I love the younger lads in, in my hood. You know what I mean? And um, homeless people, and and heroin addicts, and just junkies in general. I feel comfortable with these people. These are the people I grew up as and with, and I'm more comfortable with these people than not what I call normal civilians. So I do do what you do, but I don't see that as my power. I see what I just said as as the power as and what I try to achieve. Mm.
0: Mm. And you and you do have that power. Like I could, well, maybe not, maybe not someone like me, but like let's say like a if you're a kid at school and your principal's like, no drugs are bad, mm. you don't want to get involved in drugs and you don't want to do this, no one's going to listen to that. Of course not. But of you get someone who is basically someone who a kid looks up to and goes, okay, they're legit, mm. they know what they're talking about yeah. and doesn't glamorise a lifestyle. You know, that can change someone's life. Yep. But it doesn't It doesn't happen from one video. No. It happens from a lifetime of almost motivation mm. to better themselves. Yep. With um, – Let's 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 look at the drug war. What is a way to deal with drug crime? Do you think it the best way to do it is to decriminalize everything and have the ability to if you want to if you want to get heroin? Like I know that they did this study in a European country where you were just able to get heroin. Uh, you had to go check yourself into a facility, and rather than like giving out methadone, they'd give you heroin. Yeah. And most of the people, like a high majority of the people, or a vast majority rather were able to not only get off heroin yep. but turn their lives around because they weren't at a point where they had to go and, you know, steal a VCR or whatever yep. to pay for it. Mm-hmm. They were living in, in, you know, a comfortable uh, apartment or whatever it happened to be, accommodation, and they were getting the drugs they needed to keep away the fucking demons. Yep. And they were able to better themselves, get themselves jobs. And a lot of these people actually got out of the, the circle, the vicious circle of yep. drugs, and were able to move on. Yep. I see kids getting arrested. I see, um, well, not just even kids, like young people getting arrested with drugs, then they're thrown in jail, mm. they meet more people in, in the drug life, and then that just becomes their life. Yeah. And then they're a career criminal. Mm. And, you know, maybe that's a petty criminal. I, I don't know. Yeah.
2: What do you do? A lot of people will be surprised by my standpoint on this. Yeah. Um, if you're going to ask me specifically what's the best way to deal with drug crime, then obviously decriminalizing everything makes no crime exist. So that's an instant fix for drug crime. Do I think that that's what's good for society? Absolutely not. I would, any day of the week, choose a society where we have to deal with drug crime than a society that says it's acceptable to use drugs. I'm completely against anybody using drugs, all right? I had been, when I got off drugs, I'd gone through a stage in my life where I was very judgmental onto people who use drugs because I'd gone through, I'd got off all drugs. I'm one in a million. And from my perspective, it was simple because I'd done it. I didn't know how hard it was for people. So it's not a judgment on the people who are on drugs. But I think that to live in a society where we're going to say it's acceptable for people to be on ice and heroin and I'm so far against that. I would rather... We find better ways to deal with – and it's it's – we're not going to solve it. We're not going to solve anything. To, to deal with drug crime, to think that what's the answer is to say like what's the answer to deal with violence. There's mm-hmm. going to be at no point in humanity where there is no violence and there's going to be no point in humanity where people aren't going to want to use substances to relieve themselves of whatever excuse they have. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on the, the total opposite. <laughs> if you – like if it was up to me, there would be no cigarettes, there would be no alcohol, there would be no drugs – I think all of those things are poisonous for the human spirit, and although, yeah, the people who choose to use drugs, if you decriminalize it, it would make their life better. But I can guarantee you, it would make a lot of life people's life worse. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people who don't use drugs and don't use heroin, don't use ice, much like yourself, because you didn't grow up around it. Mm. So to fix the lives of those. of the population, to make their life easier by decriminalizing it, you're now exposing it to the other 96% of the population's kids who would have never seen it. So just by numbers, just by basic logic, there will be more people exposed to heroin and more heroin addicts, more people who would have sad and depressed and hopeless lives because of drug use.
0: Yeah. If you see mum and dad using it, then maybe you think down the track. 100%. It doesn't matter if they get it from a doctor.
2: Heroin's heroin. Mm. You know, a junkie's a junkie. So, like, I don't think it has any place... And like I said, I would. I don't think um, substance use at all. I'm extre- Maybe that's an extremist, but I don't see substance use at all as acceptable.
0: I mean, I, I don't think anyone should be using drugs, particularly if you're someone who can't control yourself. Yeah. Like if you want to go out and have a couple of pingers on the weekend, whatever, a couple of lines of coke on the weekend, whatever. If you can do that and not do it at work, cool, right? But if you, it's the same with alcohol or yep. pain pills. Pain pills are massive. Yeah. You know, everyone's on fucking pain pills. Mm-hmm. My brother went to And, and Pot now. And pot, yeah. yeah. My brother went and had his uh nose and um deviated septum fix. Plain mm-hmm. footy, a couple of broken noses, affect his breathing, that type of shit. Gets it fixed. And they give him a couple of fucking um whatever the fucking main pain pill is. Yeah, yeah. Give him a couple of those. Yeah. And he's like, I didn't really need it. Yeah. He said, They gave me one. And they gave me like four to take home. I was like, fuck, it's a, you know, it's a yeah. broken nose, a sore. It hurts for a couple of days, but you don't need four fucking full nilly heroines. Yeah, 100%. Um, and people are addicted to this shit. Yeah. I know there, was, there are some studies that show that people who take a lot of ibuprofen, now obviously ibuprofen isn't an issue, it's not very good for your gut and all that type of stuff, but people who take ibuprofen can actually cause phantom pain. And so if you have a lot of headaches and you take ibuprofen every single day, your body will start giving you headaches so you take the oh, drug no way. Yeah, Like a
2: dependence. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it drugs. Yeah. Doesn't matter what drug
2: it is, a drug is a drug and everything that gives will take. Yeah. It's, it's just the law of it's just like the the law of conservation of energy. It's it and it, anything that will yeah. that gives you something
0: will take 100%. Like yeah. how shit do you feel after a big night on the sauce? Yeah. You feel terrible, but mm-hmm. you enjoyed yourself. Yeah. And that's what you have to give. Yeah, yeah it's um and I, I always think about like these these mind games. You go, well, how can you fix these people? I I think it comes down to, you know, your upbringing, the people around you. But even then sometimes if you have a great upbringing, someone can just have a wire crossed or whatever, have a mental health problem and rather than turning to a therapist or, yeah. and you know, antidepressants aren't great but they're better than fucking smoking crack, you know, all that type of stuff, people turn to things in times of, of need. Yeah. And someone's whole life can be a time of need or they can have a moment, a moment where they're weak and then their whole life has changed from that point. Sure. Your upbringing is half the story. Um, it's your natural propensity
2: to act in a certain way is, I would say, a larger part. And that's why you find people who can grow up in the, the ghetto mm. and be normal mm. and people who can grow up in nicest areas and become serial killers. Mm. So, yeah, it's, I think it's just it, it's just more factors... In your upbringing, that push you towards something, but it's going to be yourself who chooses at the end of the day. But like we said, like normalizing some something to someone just
0: makes it more likely. It's not a decision. Yeah. Something I've always been terrified of since I was a kid was jail. I've always been just sh- I don't know why. Well, I, I imagine it's a scary place, but I don't know why. Yeah. Let's say I go to jail tomorrow. What happens when you walk in for the first time? What's the actual process? Well, take me through the process. Take me through what it's like when they lock the cells at night, the people you meet in the first three or four days.
2: Times are very different now. The process is very sad and boring mm. and long. Mm. That's the thing I hate the most about jail. You're going to go to a cop shop. You get bar a refuse. You're going to sit on a metal seat for hours and hours and hours, cold and hungry. You're going to go on a stinking jail truck to the closest courthouse the next day, very smelly. Um, something happens with people I don't know it's like as soon as they get locked up they just let go of themselves mm. it's just completely normal for people in jail to not shower and not care about how the way they smell mm. I don't know what it is I think it's just like
0: sort of give they, just, up or... they give up yeah. you
2: know it's just like oh I'm just a scumbag now so I'm just going to act like a scumbag that was my biggest notice in the difference between going from boys homes to jail the first time in boys homes it's different everyone's like like normal healthy in jail everyone's just like "Ah," and stink it's funny as it is to say but you're going to be with some smelly people on a truck very close you're going to be breathing their farts you're going to go to a concrete underground cell it's very cold nothing in there barely any food they'll refuse you're going to stay in some underground cell for three days no light tv that you can't hear another truck's going to come and get you take you to the closest remand center and you go through this process of getting checked in and like Stamped and ticking this and you're given everything's taken off you. Yeah. You're given a bag and that's your entire existence. It's gonna have two pairs of clothes, plastic bowl, plastics, that's yeah. Um, and you're gonna be chucked in a cell. The, the first cells where obviously what would be receptions slash transit cells are always gonna be the least loved. Um, so you can imagine what they look like. Mm. Um, you're gonna stay in there for about a week waiting for your for your place to a uh pod or a wing that is Medium term, where people can sit there and wait out their court dates, not long term, medium term. There, there's um. you're going to walk into a pot of about 60 people, all eyes on you when you walk in the gate. Same time every day, the same new four people come in that gate. If, you rec- if you're somebody, uh, if you're a first-timer in jail, you're not going to know a person in there. You're going to have not much worries other than a couple predators picking you for someone weak. Mm. Um, if you're somebody of the streets with a history, there's a lot of worries. Where are you? Who's there? Who knows you? What have you done wrong? That's a very um, you know, high risk time. You're gonna go into that pod. You don't get to choose your cellmate initially, another stinking person. And um a lot of smells in jail, believe me. Um that cell's not gonna be very loved, Then you're gonna wait until you make a friend in the wing. Uh during the four hours a day you're allowed out. Till <coughs> so you make a friend. You Sometimes have some type of bond with, as shallow as it is, and you're going to try to get into a cell with him because you feel more secure and you have got a talking points with him. If you can get us, you can beg the screws for a cell. They're lazy; they might give you a cell together. It'll take about two days of hustling them, then you feel a bit better. Then it's the first time in what is up to that point a uh, two week process that you're sort of comfortable. After that two weeks, your numbers that you've put on your jail phone um, have come activated. So in that that period, you're with someone you're sort of comfortable with. You've cleaned your cell. Um, you don't own anything yet. You've got no TV, no radio, nothing. So 20 hours a day, you're just like looking at each other. Um, your phones come, your numbers come on your phone. It'll be the first time you've talked to any family or loved ones um, other than your reception call, which is, all right, they just took Agaba refused. I mean, MRRC, I love you. Book a visit. So this is the first proper conversation with anyone you care about. Your family alive there, bang. Um, and then you just, that's it. You, it's a bit of politics, not so much anymore. Um, it's mainly jail now. It's just mainly a um, uh, big argument over drugs. That's all it is, yeah. Uh, before, back in when I was a kid, um, when I went there, I was going, wouldn't call them war zones, right? I'm not trying to be exaggerate, but uh, there were racial wars. It's very divided. You choose what race you're with. You you don't get to choose. It's mm. chose upon you, or shut shut the fuck up and sit in the middle and don't like talk to any of the races or you get bashed. And if you're part of one of these races, don't talk to another. Otherwise, yeah. Um. So it was like very tense. That's your first month in jail. Wow. Yeah. Putrid. Yeah. The thing I find the most putrid about that is just like nothing. Mm. Just hours. Like imagine sitting. Imagine emptying this garage and just put a mattress in the corner. Not even a radio. You've got nothing but a mattress in the corner and a toilet in that corner and they both stink and just sit in here for weeks. Just imagine that. That's the pain. Nothing else is the pain. The scary people are not the pain. The screws attitude is not the pain. The food is not the pain. That's the pain. You do that for years and years and years. After a while, a few months, you've got a TV. So you better love TV or you've got nothing.
0: How how does someone how do you expect someone to go into jail for five six seven eight years ten years and then walk out and be anything
2: close to normal? I'm cooked. Yeah, I'm so cooked. Well, how how like, could you not be? But I'm cooked. Like it's just it's like uh, I but I've been doing this since fourteen. Yeah, yeah. I've mean, like don't get me wrong. Juvie has more activities. Sure. Play footy this and that. Yeah. But it's the same thing. Well, they're trying to sort of save you in juvie. Sort they? of, yeah. yeah. They're trying to show you a better life. Uh, you do art classes and stuff like this. Jail. Oh, just shut up and sit in that yard. Yeah. Sit in your cell. Years and years and years and um, a lot of thinking time. And Right, you, if you can do that for three months and come out normal, I'd like to record the first conversation of three months in your garage. You'll come out like… Oh,
0: yeah. yeah. It's well, it's <laughs> yeah. it's borderline torture. Yeah. And, and particularly when a lot of people are in jail for like petty shit. Mm. Like you know, whether it's drink, you know, drink driving, obviously very dangerous, yada yada yeah. yada. But yeah. you know, should they be in there with a murderer? If, if you're selling drugs or, or pills or whatever, should you be in there with a murderer? Should you have different you know yeah. uh, things to do? Like maybe you know, selling obviously selling drugs very dangerous, all that yeah. type of stuff. You sh- you know, you, you might kill someone. Mm. Um, but should you be in there well, with levels. a fr- with there's a rapist? Levels. You know, yeah. what what's the biggest change for you moving from being locked up and then just sort of cast out into the world, what, 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 you know, what hurts you the most? What's the the biggest pain, do you think? The biggest pain.
2: So not the biggest struggle, the biggest pain would be to find my place in the world. Yeah. Yeah, I really, um, I have this, this thing. I'm Spanian, you know, and and it's like a lot of people will see this as a big thing. I'm like legitimately uh, like a national celebrity. It doesn't matter where, I was here in Newcastle last night as a, Every it just running people running at me for photos and this and that. People struggle their whole life to get into this position. Mm. This was just put upon me. I don't know how this happened. I just jumped on, made my songs, and just be myself. And it's put upon me. I didn't put no effort into this, and um, I don't have my. This is not my life's goal. Do you know what I mean? But it's mad what I mean. This is what you see. What you don't see is, and I make videos about this. Is just me completely lost in the world. Um. No skills, no 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 career, no job, no education. Um, I can't. And by no skills, like I don't even mean basic skills. Like I try my best. It is a struggle. I'm getting better at it. It's a struggle to stay out of jail. Just forget how much you love money. Don't start a drug run. Forget how much you hate people looking at you and telling you what to do. Don't stab anyone. These were for a few years, constant efforts, big struggles. I overcome them. Um, but I'm left lost. You know, I have this. Like I said, I have this this thing. They, these are my biggest pains. It's like I have this 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 all this stuff to do. Podcast this and that. All this certain amount of money that I can spend, whatever it is. And I just walk around by myself. I'm legit. Yeah, I walk around. I'm, I still walk around like a prisoner. And I'm not saying that to be cool. It's a sad thing. I walk the streets. I live in Redfern, near Redfern Station, between Redfern and Central. And I just like pop out in the morning I, I speak to my manager like what do I have to do today and they're like nothing today but you got this interview tomorrow so I'll just walk around by myself the whole day and I'll go and get a black coffee just like I drink in jail and I'll just look at people living their lives and I'll walk home play a bit of a video game I love Fortnite. it's one thing I have in my life you know and that's it like if you're asking me what is my pain that's my biggest pain now, I'm 35 year old man i got I don't know idea what's going on so Whatever happens with me in this career of Spanian, I'm uh, really invested in setting myself up a life that allows me freedom and fits in with my strengths and weaknesses. And that's that's where I'm at right now.
0: And you've basically had, you know, for a lot of people, they find themselves in their 20s and you've had that put on hold, mm-hmm. you know, and, and kicked back you know, not even just on hold, but like, you know, you've been pushed back, you know, instead of taking two steps forward, you've taken five, ten back to figure out who who you are in this world. Yeah. And I, I think it's an existential crisis for most people at some point to work out where do I belong? Like even for me, like, you know, I've been quite successful with my comedy and stuff and you still have imposter syndrome. You're like, oh, what if this ends tomorrow? Yeah. That drives me Yeah, because I don't want this to end. You know, I want to provide for my family yeah. and I want to be able to, and I'm also terrified about, going back and working in a job that I hate. Because, you know, you you get used to the money and you get used to this and you get used to doing it your way. Mm -hmm. I I don't understand how someone can go to jail for a long period of time. Well, not like a mad long, but like long, Mm -hmm. fair time. And then be expected to not learn anything in there that will give you options when you get out. Yeah. Like, you can't walk out and walk into a coffee shop and go, mate, here's my resume. You know, where have you been for the last eight years? I've been inside. Yeah. (laughs) No. And and some may say that, but what you can do is you can go to TAFE and you can learn how
2: to make coffee and then you can start from the bottom. But what they don't understand is that, like, the mentality that's created in there for a lot of people, a lot of strong people, doesn't allow you to do that. Mm. So it's… It's not It's not only about the time that you haven't done that and the history that you don't have. It's what it, it's taken away from you that allows you to do that in the future. And that's what I see as what being institutionalized is. A lot of people see the movies and they have this one blanket approach to what someone institutionalized is. And that is a simple question. Do you want to get out of jail? And if someone says, no, I love jail, that means you're institutionalized. And if someone says, no, I can't wait to get out, well, you're not institutionalized. And that's nowhere. That's what you see in movies. It's nowhere near the truth. I've been in jail with people who have been in 32, 27 years. They're dying to get out. Are they institutionalized? They're beyond institutionalized. Yeah. They're pretty much prison chairs. Like that, they are nothing and never gonna be anything but a prisoner. And you let them out, like, for lack of a better word, these lads, what you will perceive them to be freaks. Um, but if you ask them, do you want to get out, they'll die to get, they'll kill you to get out. Yeah. You know, and what, the funny thing is, it's the people who haven't done much jail. They've done two, three years of jail. You ask them, do you want to get out? They're the tough guys that say, I don't care. I like jail. Really? So it's actually the realist opposite way to what you see in the movies. Mm. But um, it's what, yeah, back to what you were saying. It's, it's, I feel it's more what it takes away from you when you become institutionalized. When you become, when the institution becomes you, when the way you think, the way you walk, the way you talk and what you expect out of life is built from the institution – that's institutionalized. Then that that comes very easy for some people, harder for some others. Like I've done thirteen years, but I feel like by the time I was already out of juvenile justice, um, I'd done about three years altogether in juvenile justice. I was well institutionalized. Mm. You ask me, I wasn't going to be nothing but a prisoner, or I'll peacefully coexist in the outside world like I do now.
0: Yeah. Well, it's it's psychological abuse to an extent. Like it's if you're in a relationship where your husband beats you even if it's for two years, Mm -hmm. like for the rest of your life, that's going to weigh on your mind. Or if you have a traumatic experience, Mm -hmm. it's going to weigh on your mind and you're never going to be quite normal. You know, you're never going to get back to baseline. Mm -hmm. You can put in all these things and this is something that you will deal with for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. and things that have gone wrong in my life, it's things that I will deal with and everyone's got their own issues, obviously. Mm -hmm. You have to find a way to live with that and I think what people don't sort of, or they can't grasp is that the only thing that heals is time. You know, it takes time to break someone. Yeah. And it takes time to rebuild someone. Mm-hmm. Like, How long have you been out for now? I've been out for almost five years. So, you know, maybe that's another five years and then you're a completely different person. Maybe. Hopefully. But it's it's <laughs> about really just fucking yeah. head down, mm-hmm. ass up, work hard, and doing yeah. the things you're doing. Yeah. You've got a book out. Yeah. You know, you got music going, podcasts going. People enjoy you. People yeah. want to be around you. That's great, and that will lead to really positive outcomes yeah. if you can stick with it and do what you do. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's how you break the cycle of living on the street, having kids living on the street, yep. them having kids living on the street, or being involved in the street. Yeah, you know, it's. And obviously, I'm from an I'm a massive outsider on this. I don't know what the fuck yeah. I'm talking about. But from, from, from what I see, yeah. you know, the only way to to break the psychological barriers that people have is by breaking them.
2: Yeah, the, mm. I think like my perspective on it is that like we're all cast in a, into a world that we didn't ask for. Mm. All right, we're all cast in a world that exi- that laws exist that we didn't agree with and we didn't sign anything to agree with them. In a structure where the day is designed for things that we didn't choose to participate in. But that's the way it is. And anyone in my position, worse or lesser position, but along the same lines, the way I see it is just that if you can have a bit of self-preservation, right, If you can just do the things that keep you healthy and keep you out of jail. First of all, that's what you need to concentrate on, a very selfish standpoint, right? You, You don't go from being someone who's lived a life like mine to being Mother Teresa. You don't do it. Don't try to do it, right? Just have a bit of self-preservation and you will feel lost for a long time. And then once that, once you achieve that, then just start to put a bit of good energy out there. And again, it can be selfish, good energy. I'm not saying go and start cooking meals for people and this and that. I know that's always the go-to when people you know, ask, oh, how do I feel better about myself? Go and help people. People say that, that I've never helped a person in yeah. their life. But it's put a good energy out there for yourself. You know what I mean? Invest a little bit in yourself. Even if it's one thing that you like, try to get good at it yeah. and be positive about it because even the attitude towards it, it helps. You know what I'm saying? And when you've had self-preservation and then put a bit of good energy out there for yourself, good things will happen. And you'll slowly, without without even effort, without even knowing, you'll find a place in the world. Mm. You know? And, and, and you'll start to look at the – once you find a place in the world, you'll start to look at the world not as your enemy – but it's something that you can be part of and you'll find out that there's people out there who actually like you because we're not used to that. You are not used to like when I meet someone, I'm not used to them like this person actually likes you. I'm like, fuck off, bro. Mm. But there's people out there who are, who actually like people, you know, not everyone hates everyone. And when you put that energy into yourself, you attract those type of people. And all of a sudden you have a place in the world. Mm. Then when you have a place in the world, you become happier.
0: Then one day, if you want to become Mother Teresa. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's the process that I see.
0: I I run my entire life off the attitude that it's all about small wins, Mm. incremental successes. Yeah. You know, you getting out and not stabbing someone. Mm -hmm. That's a small win. Yeah. You know, everything that you do from this point and everything that I've ever done has all been about small wins. When I built my YouTube channel, right, I focused on Newcastle first. Mm -hmm. So, making videos about Newcastle. Then I started making videos about New South Wales and then Australia right. and then the world. Yep. And that's how I grew. Nice. Because it was all about like if I go out there and I'm going to go no nah, I'm going to become viral I'm going to do this yeah. worldwide. Yeah. You're going to get disappointed. You're going to not work as hard and you're going to fuck around and then you're going to give up. True. But if you have an achievable goal that you know you can hit and then you have a plan for what to do after then that's how you become successful with whatever you want to do. Yeah. I mean <laughs> I think it's almost like you've walked out of a war. Mm. We were talking about these helmets here and the people's lives that wore these helmets. Um, There's a a German one, an Australian one, an American one from World War II. These guys, if they came home, had their lives changed. I know Claire, my partner's uh, grandfather, fought in World War II, came home terrified of thunder. Whole life Mm. changed. Mm. Couldn't deal with thunder, like full panic just because of the experience that he had. And it's almost like you've walked out of a a wall. A a, a very
2: slow-paced wall. Yeah. But very similar in a lot of ways.
0: You've got high anxiety levels when you're in there. Cortisol's through the roof. You've got nothing to, you know, I assume, nothing to do all day. You're just constantly tense. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you're expected to walk out into the world and just be free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't happen. And that's why the recidivism rate is through the roof throughout the world. Not just here, yeah, everywhere you go, America, if you've been in jail once, chances of you going back are very, very high yeah. because you just fall back into your regular life, what you were doing before, you haven't learned anything, you've just gone you've had a time out and then you've gone back to hitting your brother, yeah. you know what I mean uh-huh. it's 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 tough, man, <laughs> yeah, but tell me about this book what why why write a book right now what you know you're thirty five why right now
2: initially it come from the interest and the demand yeah. for for me. Um, so it was naturally just built off that. It's people very interested in my story. People t- take – people interested for shallow reasons, funny, interesting. People more interested for bigger reasons. Mm. Um, the whole – everything you explain, the achievements and what I've overcome and stuff like that. Um, so I thought it's just very natural to write a book at this point. You know, they instead of just telling everyone everything about my life – Obviously there's things for YouTube. They're very intense, very um, you know, entertaining things. But I'm not gonna go on YouTube and people wanna know the background, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and to a lot of people that's the most important stuff. I don't feel that has a place in in YouTube videos like I oh, and so when I was seven, I don't
0: yeah, like it's it's a different experience reading it too. Yeah. Because you 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 take something in and you can read a page in this book and sit back and go, fuck. You don't get that on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. sit back and go, you don't pause it and go, mm. you really, you know, you simmer on something. Yeah. But in a book, you can really and you're making up in your own head the what you sort of try to envisage what you were talking about at this moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it sort of gives you a different um a different perspective on what you're actually talking about. I think that's that's yeah. really important. Is there an audiobook version? There is. Do you yeah. s- do you do you read it? Uh, no, I do I have parts of it so there's like bonus between chapters yeah
2: yeah. i have there's parts where i break things down and get into details in my point and then there's a professional that i think they decided that like (laughs) my my voice and my mannerisms are like entertaining yeah but six hours of it it's like no just get someone normal to
0: read it (laughs) i I know it probably would have been a pain in ass to read six hours of it but i reckon it would have been fucking great to have just you
2: there's a lot of people who a lot of comments like please read the audiobook (laughs) Like nah, there's there's bits of me between. Yeah, yeah.
0: And how did you go about writing it?
2: Oh, the process. of – So obviously the author's name Christopher Kevin Al. Um, I probably say his name wrong. No, no, no. It is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we call him Twenty Four Karat Kev. Um, but he's he's um the author. So I sat down with him over a two month period, just diving deep on on records like getting uh, recorded, you know, and um, explained my whole life, and he'd go back at and he'd find the points that I. Went, the next day would come in and go more into deep. So it was like six hours a day over a two-month period. So it was a wow. lot of talking, but that's easy for me. Yeah, yeah. If I was to sit there and write it, with a type, it was never coming out. I'm yeah. not going to sit down, and write things down. Yeah. But I could talk for hours. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, it's a skill. Like it, it's, writing a book is a very strange skill that yeah. most people don't have. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to do it at the moment. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, man. It's hard. Eh? It's hard. <laughs> I know? wouldn't even have a crack. Like, at I'm it. used to writing stand up or writing videos and that yeah. type of stuff. And that's completely different. The videos are different to the stand up and the stand up's different to the, the book and yeah, the whole yeah, fucking thing. Yeah. But it's one of these skills that you learn because you, you could potentially in another. 35 years, release another book. Yep. And, you know, you could write it over that period of time and people could, you know you never know, you might not have anyone on Instagram then, yep. I might not, have, you know, all that type of stuff, things change. Yep. But people will be interested in following up on, on your life story. Sure. I wanted to ask, to go back on a point, when, uh, when you walk into jail, into the yard or into the cell block, wherever it happens to be, and people sort of notice you for that moment, if it's me walking in, what do I need to be fearful of? How do I need to act? Well, you know, if if some if you're talking to someone right now that's going to jail on Monday, you know what what gives off the best vibe to keep you safe?
2: Just don't. I think the most important thing is don't overtalk.
0: Okay. Yeah. So
2: people are not interested in you or your crimes, right? So the more you talk, just gives the more opportunity for people to hold things against you. Uh, that is by far the biggest thing I, I I feel. So people come from the outside world and amongst people, amongst their circle, they're somebody. They're the tough guy. They're the funny guy. They're the, the best at this. They're the best at that. But everybody comes from a circle like that and you'll find jail to be a collection of a lot of people who amongst their friends are the tough guy. And so don't play that out. Don't play out your character that you are with your friends amongst these people because they're not here to hear that, you know, and everything, like all humans, it's not just jail, you know, everything that you achieve, you know, humans are, it it makes them um, question themselves a bit and they get a bit resentful about that. So I can guarantee you if you go in jail and you're talking about how cool you are and some bloke you bashed, someone will bash you. Mm. Um, So just do your own thing, don't over talk, you know, participate freely in conversations that are about, meaningless stuff and that's how you bond with people um just yeah hold your head high don't look at the floor don't look at people just do your thing concentrate on what you on. don't let anyone make you look at the floor there's, there's a there's a balance to it i'm not saying shut your mouth and look at the floor just be 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 quiet and be yourself and do what you want to do and the best thing that i've been taught Rah, was one of the biggest lessons in my life it was my very first time in jail and um, it's so funny, bruh, because out of all the times I've been in jail, like, I think in adult jail was like 10 years, three years juvie. But in 10 years jail, I got taught like one thing, and it happened to be my first night in jail. And I went from boys' homes, blah, 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 cells, end up in Park Lee, 2004, so you can the level of violence is mental. And I was in with an older Koori bloke in a cell, no idea who he was, he's from Campbelltown, done a few years jail, not a full jail bird, but knew what was going on. He said to me, he goes, did you just come from boys' homes? Because he heard me talking. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, but let me tell you something, how it works in jail, all right? He goes, do never do something for someone that wouldn't do the same thing for you. He goes, do you know what I mean by that? I said, yeah, of course, lad, you yeah? know? I was young, bro, I thought, yeah. And he goes, "Like, tell me, what do I mean? I said, but someone asked you to do something and say, like, get fucked. I guess that's not what I mean. He goes, there's nothing wrong with doing things for people. He said... But if someone asks you to do something, imagine if you ask them what their answer would be back. So if mate in the next cell says, lad, can you pick up, can, finish his eating? and said, but can you chuck that in the bin for me? There's nothing wrong with doing something helpful for someone. But if you say to him, imagine it the other way around. You said to that bloke, big muscly matey who thinks he's tough, can you chuck that in the bin for me? What would he say to you? If, he, if you think he would honestly turn around and say, get fucked, you tell him what to do, then don't do it for him no matter how many times he asks you. And that's just the – that puts you um, – that's just a safe middle. It's like you're no one's bitch, but you're not a tough guy. They're always going to be the most successful anywhere, really. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So so is the – is it like – I mean, obviously the movies don't nail it, but do you have to be on watch 24-7? Is it that sort of stressful environment or is it a bit uh, relaxing? It's it's not that stressful.
2: Um it's not that you have to be on Watch Twenty Four Seven. You know what, to be honest with you, there was it's way more what you'd call hectic in boys' homes. Right. Yeah, way more hectic. There's periods of jail where during the jail wars, the racial jail wars, where that was very bad. People were being stabbed to death. Mm. Sometimes for no reason. It depends what yard you're put in around, what people you're put in with. And um there's definitely people in jail. Um so I grew up in in jail with – I was with the Kuris the Aboriginals, right? That was my clique. That's who I, I was with. Um, I remember when I was 18 years old, 19 years old, early years of jail, there were elders that we call uncles um, whose life was nothing but jail from areas like Burke and Wolgett and Kempsey. These people were psychopathic murderers, psychopathic murderers. Uh, they will kill you just over anything. I'm not even joking. Like, um, so – it is dangerous, right? That's few and far between. Few and far between. Um, in terms of like, are you just going to walk around and get bashed? Is it like people? No, nah, it's not. So you see a fight once a week. In right. boys' homes, you see three fights a day. Right. In boys' homes, you fight over nearly everything because everything's like playful and like, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. And everyone hasn't learnt their place yet. You know, Boys' homes teaches you something. It's like that's where you learn, and I think a lot of people in society can learn this. Um, that's where you learn if you say the wrong thing, you get punched in the face. Yeah, and I think that's a valuable lesson. It's a good lesson. Yeah, and yeah. You learn that from boys' homes. That's the biggest thing you learn. It's like, bro, you say the wrong thing at the right time, you get bombed instantly. Jail, jail is um, there's a lot more there's no punishments in boys' homes. Like the worst you could you could punch a worker in the face in boys' homes, right? And you'll get locked in this place they call holding cell for 12 hours. Right. That's the maximum punishment. In jail. You do anything, you're in this dark hole for two weeks. So there's a lot of at-risk. So, yeah, fights are few and far between. But if you go looking for
0: trouble, you'll get stabbed. I appreciate your time. No, brother. I know you're doing uh, – you've got a lot going on at the moment and you're having a lot of conversations. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything you'd like to leave us with today? Any message to the people or a plug or anything? By the book. By your book, you yeah. <laughs>
1: I've got a grouse podcast. I'll it it. it is really good. Yeah.
2: the search. It's on YouTube. It's on Spotify. It's a new podcast doing well. Mm. Yeah, I think it was a top five on Apple. Top yeah. twenty on Spotify. Or something. it's going grouse. So yeah, that's what I spend my time doing. I spend my time um entertaining for uh, people for my profit, obviously mixing that in between um trying to send my message out there to to um tell people tell kids really I, I care about the kids. You know, it's hard as it to say when people are adults, man, I don't I don't I don't care. You know what I mean? I don't, I care about the kids and, and changing their life and I do it. I do it subliminally and blatantly through the things that I produce. Yeah. Give yeah. yeah. it a sass if
0: you're interested in me. Give it a sass to see it. I enjoyed our chat. Thank you very yeah, much. Well. Sweet. Bloody welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. spanian What a bloody legend. Uh, yeah, uh, I hear I'm chatting the noise. Move too quick, can stop for the talking. I am with the boys. Man's so tough, but mine's
2: keep walking.